This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's, there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevatechurch.com. All right, so good morning, good morning. Is everybody good today? Hey, I want to welcome you. If you're a guest, I want to introduce myself. My name's Colby. I'm so glad that you're here. We're in this series called Ghost Stories, which is a not-so-spooky series about the Holy Spirit. Now, real quick, we have a ton of ground to cover today, all right? So I need you to go ahead right now, take out your Bibles, take out your U version on your phones, your iPhones, your iPads, or just use your eyeballs. We're gonna put it up here on the screen for you in just a moment too, but turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14. All right, again, we got a lot of ground to cover today, and today we're talking about what everybody's been wanting to talk about, really, and that is spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts. And I want to start by looking at Romans chapter, go ahead and throw it up here, chapter 12, verse 6 says, we have different, what's this word? Seven people playing along today. Come on, let's wake up, all right? We have different gifts. That was really good. You probably can dial it back if you want to. Just No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, don't do that. Diff, different gifts according to the grace given to us. Now that word gifts is the word charis in the Greek. And this is where we get the, the word charisma. This is the root word for charismatic. And so sometimes you'll hear about, you know, that church is charismatic or that church is this. But the word charis simply means a grace gift. And, and so someone who is filled with a grace gift, you know, is someone who has received this, this gift. A grace gift is something that, that is undeserved. This, this favor uh, uh, that we found, you know, in God. And we've been given this gift. Now, just means, you know, we've accepted that. That's what charismatic, charisma, you know, means. That's not weird. That's not spooky. These gifts. Now, most scholars would tell you that there are between 25 and 27 gifts listed in the New Testament. Now, I don't have time to, to dive into this, but if you want to go take a week three in Crash Course, you know, we, we do it every single week um, during the month. Week three is called The Me I Was Born to Be. We dive into this a little bit more. I don't think this is an exhaustive list of all the gifts that are available to us, but, but smarter people, way smarter people would say there are between 25 and 27 gifts, and they break them down into three major categories. And the first is the ministry gifts, and you can look those up. They're found in Ephesians chapter four. These are the gifts of apostle, prophet, you know, teacher, um, pastor, evangelist. Those are the ministry gifts. Then we have the motivational gifts. They're found in Romans chapter 12. Uh, encourager, giver, compassion, uh, administrator, serving. Those are the, the motivational gifts. But the ones we're gonna talk about today, the ones that everybody wants to talk about is the manifestation gifts, or the personal gifts. And these are found in 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, it talks about in 13 and 14 a little bit. And there's nine of these. And yes, we're gonna talk about 
all nine of them. It's gonna be okay. Grab on, hold on to your neighbor, hide your kids, hide your wives. We're going for it today. Now let me give you a little context. Paul is writing this letter to this church that he helped to plant in Corinth, all right? And they've kind of flown off the deep end, you could say. Things have crept in. A lot of like uh, worldly things have crept into the church. There's a lot of sexual immorality. There's a lot of impurity. Things are getting a little crazy. Even their worship services, their church has been getting uh, a little bit off a of track. And so Paul is trying to direct them back onto to track. And here's what he writes in 1 Corinthians 12 about these gifts. He says, now dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities. Now I like that word better. These are abilities that have been given to us, you know, by God, these special abilities the Spirit gives. And he says, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Immediately, right from the start, because he knew that the enemy could use this to be a point of confusion, to be a point of division in the church as it has been. And Paul's like, listen, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Look at verse four. There are all different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. That's important. We're gonna come back to that. In other words, we are renters of them. We don't own them. The Spirit gives them to us as he pleases. Verse five, there are all different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. And then he says a spiritual charis, a spiritual gift, is given to each of us so we can help each other. Don't miss that. It's for the benefit of helping each other. And then he lists them, starting in verse eight, he says to one person, there are nine, let's count them. He gives the spirit, the spirit gives the ability to, to give wise advice, this one. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge, that's two. The spirit gives uh, great faith to another. And to someone else, the spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy, he gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, and it is um, another person is given the ability to interpret what's being said. That's nine. And then verse 11, he says, but it is the one and only spirit who distributes all of these, and he alone decides which gift each person should have. So you have a gift. You don't have all of them, but you are, are, are gifted in some way. And again, week three in Crash Course is all about finding out the me I was born to be. But let's look at a, a definition for spiritual gifts for us today. Is this, they are abilities given by the Holy Spirit to believers to help each other. Again, that's the goal. The, the spiritual gifts that we're given are never meant to divide. They're always meant to unite, to help each other and to advance probably primarily and most importantly to advance the message of Jesus. Now we're gonna look at all these in 1 Corinthians 12 and break them down into three subcategories. And the first one are the discerning gifts. Write that down. If you're taking notes, discerning gifts. They are, starting with the first one, words of knowledge. In verse eight, it talks about a special word of, of knowledge. This is the ability that's... Um, often used to gain access to a person to talk about Jesus. It would be a supernatural kind of 
knowledge of what's going on in their life. It would be like, you know, you going up to somebody and say, hey man, you've been reading my mail. You know, what they're saying is not, have you been reading my mail? What they're saying is, how do you know, you know, what's going on in my, my life? It's this supernatural kind of knowledge of something that's going on in their life in order to get access, in order to get influence to that person that you would not normally have access or influence in. Uh, we see this happen in Jesus, uh, Jesus with a woman at the well in John chapter four, that he has this conversation, this, this lady's at the well, and, and Jesus you know, starts talking to her about you know, water, and you know, I have water, and, and then he says, go get your husband. And what she says is, I don't have a husband. And he said, you're right, you don't have a husband. In fact, is, you've had five husbands, and the guy you're with, you know, he's not your husband either. Like, talk about an intimidating meeting. Like, right, the first thing that, that you do when you see Jesus, he just reads your mail. He's like, go get your husband. I ain't got one. He's like, I know, because you've been there, you've been there, you've been there, you've been there, you've been there. And that guy you're with, he ain't no good either right now kind of thing, right? He had a supernatural knowledge, you know, of what was going on in her life in order to, to set her free. And that was the goal. And it wasn't just for her. Because if you remember, she went and she told the whole village, hey, you gotta come see this guy who told me everything that I've ever done. And the Bible tells us that many people came and met Jesus and many people believed that he was the Messiah. God empowered him to have a supernatural word of knowledge. The second discerning gift, write it down, uh, is the discerning of spirits. Now real quick, I did not say the gift of discernment. You know why? Because it ain't in there. It's not in there. If you've ever heard someone say, well, I just have the gift of discernment. No, you don't. What they usually mean when they say I have the gift of discernment is I have the gift of being critical and negative and nobody really likes me. That's what they mean. Because it's not in there. That's not a spiritual gift. It's the gift of discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits. And we don't have time now to go into this, but Acts chapter 16 uh, Paul and Silas are out preaching the gospel, telling people about Jesus, and this girl who is demon-possessed is chasing them around, taunting them, you know, over and over, and Paul recognizes, discerns the spirit inside of her and says, hey, in the name of Jesus, you know, come out. And the Bible says that immediately she was set free um, from, from this evil spirit. So, so Paul and Silas, as they're witnessing as they're talking about Jesus, they're also discerning what's going on in the spiritual realm. Now, I don't know what kind of background you come from. I don't know what kind of church that you've been a part of, but Ephesians 6:12 is clear, that our fight is not against flesh and blood, that our fight is not against humans. It's against powers and principles of this dark world. It's against the evil rulers in this dark world. And some of you, you just need to know there's a fight going on. There's a fight going on for your soul. There's a fight going on for your purpose, for your attention. And just because you refuse to recognize the fight doesn't, doesn't like negate the reality of it. I mean, there's a fight. Just because you wanna bury your head in the sand doesn't mean the ocean isn't right in front of you, right? You know, just because you can't hear or see it doesn't mean it's going on. So there's this fight that's happening, and I believe that in the spiritual realm. However, what I don't believe is that the devil is around every single corner and hiding behind every single bush and he's out to get you. I don't want us to be that church. You know, we don't stop blaming the devil for stuff when it's really, we just need to, to uh, exercise a little self-control. You know what I mean? Like if you're driving up Peach Street, 
that red light comes on at the Krispy Kreme, and you're like, uh-oh, the devil's out to get me. No. Self-control, all right? Just saying, self-control, all right? So that's the discerning of spirits. The third discerning gift is a word of wisdom. There's a word of knowledge. This is a word of wisdom. When you get a supernatural wisdom about something in order to speak into somebody's life. There was another time the Pharisees tried to trap Jesus. They approached the disciples and they said, hey, is your rabbi gonna pay the temple tax? And so Jesus has a conversation with the disciples and says, I'm not gonna lose my, my testimony. I'm not gonna lose the ability to influence you know, these guys. Let's just go along with what they say. So here's what he told them. The supernatural um, uh, word of wisdom. He said, go down to the lake. You know, catch a fish. You're gonna bring that fish out. When you open up its mouth, there's gonna be coins in that fish's mouth and you're gonna use that to pay the temple tax with. And that's what they did. He had a supernatural word of wisdom from the Lord. Now, this is the one that probably we take the most credit for. Like, because we'll pray, God, I, I, need a, I need a word of wisdom. I need some wisdom. I need to know what to do in this. Or if you're a student, you know, you show up to test day at school and you're like, God, I need you to help me. You know, give me some wisdom on this exam. Which, first of all, students, I, if you prayed for God to give you special wisdom on your exam, but you didn't study for that exam, like, I pray you get what you deserve. <laughs> Don't ask for wisdom when you haven't used wisdom in order to study, all right? Parents, I'm trying to help you out, you know, with this. But it was a, a supernatural word of, of wisdom. Those are, the, those are the discerning gifts. Now let's talk through the declarative gifts. And let's start with, with prophecy, to prophesy. And it's probably not what, um, what you think it is. Because many times we'll confuse words of knowledge or words of, of, of wisdom with prophesying. And prophesying in the New Testament is simply an encouragement from the Lord. Paul, who's, who's writing this, talking about all these gifts, he says in, in chapter 14, but one who prophesies, here's what it's gonna look like. They're gonna strengthen, they're gonna encourage, and they're gonna comfort. That, that's what it looks like. It's, if anybody's ever approached you and says, I have a word from the Lord, well, did it do these? Did it strengthen? Did it encourage? Did it comfort? And again, that's not spooky, is it? That's not, that's not weird. That's not somebody, you know, talking to you through the TV saying, hey, brother, I see you eating your Cheetos on your couch right now. If you just donate to my ministry. And that's not what that is, all right? So it doesn't have to be. It's encouragement. It's, 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 um, it's not fortune-telling, right? It's, 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 not, it's not weird. And according to Paul, what it looks like is what we're doing right now, if we wanna be honest. It's what we do every weekend. We, we gather as a group of people, and we, we wanna encourage. We wanna say, hey, God has something for you. Hey, you need to know that Jesus loves you. It could happen in the parking lot. It could happen on your way through the doors. Jesus loves you, and he's got a plan for your, your life. That's what it is. And so if you've ever told someone, hey, I got a word for you, or if ever someone's told you that, I'll just ask you the question, did it strengthen? Did it encourage? Did it comfort? Because if it didn't, it wasn't from the Lord. That's not what it's for. I go back to the, the girl at the well with Jesus. He wasn't trying to embarrass her. He wasn't trying to call her out. He was trying to set her free. And the goal of a message from God uh, is never to tear down or destroy, but it's always to build up. 
Now the next declarative gift is the one I wanna talk about a little bit longer and that everybody wants to talk about. You ready for it? Dun, dun, dun. It's tongues. Now real quick. It's really not as difficult as you think to speak in tongues. In fact, it's as easy as buying a car. Um, Just repeat after me. I bought a Honda, but I should have bought a Hyundai. And then you say it real fast. I bought a Honda, but I should have bought a Hyundai. (laughs) And I've offended half the room, all right? I'm just kidding. Now listen, here's here's honestly what I want you to know uh, about this gift. is as best I can figure out, like tongues, that there are three different kinds of, and I wanna, wanna walk us through this, that in Acts 2, where people were given the supernatural ability, um, like, like all of a sudden, like they had Rosetta Stone, and they were able to speak in an unknown language to them, but in a known language to someone else. So they could hear it in their own tongue. That's what happened in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost, all in order to tell people about Jesus. That's what, it, that's what it was for. So that's one of the ways. Another way that Paul talks about here that we're gonna talk about in just a moment is speaking in an unknown tongue in a group which requires an interpretation, right? We're gonna talk about that. But then there's also praying in tongues, a personal prayer language. So there's this, this public gift, I believe, and there's this private grace, and the public gift that's mentioned here in 1 Corinthians 12 needs an interpretation, and the private grace is something to build you up. It's talked about in Ephesians 6. It's talked about uh, here as well in several other places. Now, real quick, here's what I want you to know. I don't know how you're gonna feel about me or about this church um, after I say this. I don't have this gift. I don't. I don't have it. I've prayed. I've asked God for it. You know, the, the, the word tells us, just ask. You know, what a good father, you know, is not gonna give you something bad. He's, you ask for bread, he's not gonna give you stone, he's not gonna give you a snake. You know, so, so I've, I've asked, but I don't have it. So I don't have it, I believe in it. I know people that do. I know people in this church that have this private prayer language that they have that's used to edify themselves and build themselves up. I don't believe you have to have it, but I also am not saying I will never receive it. Like whatever God has for me, you know, I'm good. And just because I don't have it or or completely understand it doesn't mean I just throw it all out. Like just because you don't understand something doesn't mean you you get rid of it. Like my wife, she doesn't understand me. I know that because she tells me all the time, I don't understand you. (laughs) But she's probably not gonna throw me out. She might, but I don't think she will. Just because you don't understand it all doesn't mean we get rid of it. And again, this is why Paul opens this whole thing up. Hey, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Again, I think this right here has been a great tool of the enemy to divide, to to corrupt, to bring division instead of unity in churches and denominations. And if there's this direct connection that you can have where the spirit inside of you is speaking to God, of course the enemy would want to attack that. I say, just don't let them. The other declarative gift is the gift of interpretation of tongues. And so this is when a message from God is given to someone in an unknown language and that someone else through this gift needs to interpret it. Now, I've been following Jesus since I was six. I've been in the church all 27 years of my life. Ish. 
I've been in every kind of church that you can imagine. I've been in every kind of denomination that you can imagine. I've seen it all and heard it all, except, you know how many times I've actually witnessed this? Like in real life, not on YouTube, because I've seen a lot on YouTube. Zero. I've never seen this. And here's what I need you to know. It's an interpretation. It's not a translation. All right, this is, for example, if my wife and I, we have the exact same experience, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about it differently. Say, she, I go out with a couple and I meet with them and we're talking, there's some stuff to, to work through or whatever it is when I get home, she'll ask me, all right, how did it go? You know, and, and her phrase over and over will be like, all right, and then what else? And then what else? And then what else? And well, what was she wearing? And how hot was it outside? And what was the dew point? You know, and all this kind of stuff. She wants details. She wants to know. So it's like, I'm not giving her enough information. She wants to know exactly how things happen. Like, switch that around. She goes out and she has a meeting and she comes back. My, my question for her is, and how did it end? That's all I wanna know. Like, like get to the point. Like, tell me, do I need to do something? Do I need to be a part of something? Do I need to just sit here and cry with you? You know, what is it I need to do? I just want to know. So this is not like a word for word verbatim translation, but is an interpretation of what happened. Now, super quick, the last three, um, are the dynamic gifts, and that is uh, faith, or, or a great faith, is that thing that you, you can't describe. It's that thing that when you see someone that's walking through an unbelievable tragedy in their life, and you're like, how on earth are you walking through that with so much peace and so much comfort? It's this, this, this great faith. It's kind of like when Jesus was, was on the boat, right, and the, the storm came up, and the disciples were like, bailing the, the, the water, they were afraid, they were terrified, and where's Jesus? He's in the back asleep, all right? So he had this, this great, this supernatural faith, and not that you don't have faith. Like, everybody in this room has faith. You have faith in something, by the way. Not that you don't have faith. You have a measure of it, but I believe that God will give you faith to walk through those things that you're gonna face in your life with comfort and with, with peace. That's great faith. The second and third dynamic gifts are healings and miracles, if you wanna jot those down real quick. Those are pretty self-explanatory. Um, we see all this uh, throughout scripture, Jesus healing people from diseases, uh, from raising the dead, and then we see that and we go, man, that was Jesus though. That was the son of God, but don't forget, John 14, he tells us, hey, uh, if you have faith in me, you're gonna do the same things I'm doing, except you will do even greater things than what I've done. And we talked about that in week two. So those are the nine manifestation gifts or, or sign gifts. Now, real quick, those are not the fruit of the Spirit. Um, I'm gonna do an entire series on, on the fruit and what the fruit looks like in our life. The fruit is, is, is who you are. The fruit has to do more with your attitude. The gifts have to do with, with actions, has to do with your abilities. But here's what I want you to know. If we kept reading uh, in this, this section, after Paul lays out these nine gifts, the next thing he talks about is unity. The next thing he talks about is the fact that, hey, these gifts are given to the body, that we're all different parts in this body coming together. It's never meant to divide us. But in fact, we need each other in this. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, he says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church, apostles, 
second prophets, third teachers, those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. And then he says, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret? And the answer to his rhetorical question is no. Like, of course not, because we're a body. We have different parts that, that make us one together. Like, for example, like, I'm a body. I have, I have a hand that holds this microphone. And I have a mouth that talks into it so, so that you can hear it. You know, while I have feet that are keeping me upright. Those are all the things that we can see. But what about the things we can't see? Like on the inside, my kidneys, working to filter stuff, you know, to keep toxins out of my body. And, and my liver, filtering out all the alcohol I had. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Some of you, your livers are working overtime right now. I know, I got you. It was a rough game last night, by the way. Penn State, Ohio State. Woo. Woo. Sorry, I had to bring that up. Go Buckeyes. Um, you know, all this stuff that's going on that makes me a body, the stuff that you can't even see, I have, I have fluid in my ear, right, that tells me which way is up and which way is down. My pinky toe, you know, and my shoe to help me stabilize myself. These rock-hard abs keeping my core straight together. He's saying that we're, we're, all, we're all this part. Like, we're, we're parts of a, of a whole. And so just as my body has different parts, so does the body of Christ. And he mentions these, and some of these, these gifts have been controversial, to say the least, in the church. Some of them have gotten special attention or press, you know, healings, miracles, you know, tongues. And they were being abused in this church in Corinth. And again, he says, I don't want you to misunderstand this. And then there are some people that would teach that, that these gifts have, have ceased uh, altogether, that certain gifts, we don't need, have any use for them anymore. They're called cessationists. But the Bible clearly says, it does say there will come a day when these gifts will cease. And Paul talks about, if you keep reading in, in 1 Corinthians 13, this is what he says. He says, now we see things imperfectly. And we don't get it all. It's kind of like puzzling reflections in a mirror. We're trying to put this all together, right? We're trying to figure this all out. But then, then being when we see Jesus face to face, in fact, your Bible, your version might even say that, when we see everything with perfect clarity. But then when we see him. So there will come a day when we see Jesus face to face that we won't need these gifts like we're in heaven. I'll put it to, put it to you this way. Will we need the gift of encouragement you know, in heaven, try encouraging someone in heaven. Hey, bro, cheer up. It's like, what are you talking about? I just rode a unicorn over here. You know, I'm, I'm happy, I'm excited. Some of you are like, there's unicorns in heaven? I don't really know. They're, I don't know, I don't know. Or, or, or try to use the gift of evangelism, right, in heaven. Hey, hey, man, let me tell you about Jesus. Have you heard about Jesus? Yeah, he's right over there playing tennis. My point is, is that, that there will come a day where we don't need these gifts anymore. But as far as I know, Jesus hasn't come back yet. And we're still gonna use what's available to us. We're still gonna work in the same manner that he established his church to work in on the day of Pentecost, where he filled us up and empowered us to reach as many people as we can. Martin Lloyd-Jones said that the greatest sin of the evangelical church is telling God what he is no longer able to do. Ouch. Let me just tell you how I feel about it. I believe God is still God. I believe 
He still works in supernatural ways, and he's going to continue to work that way. Now, with all this talk about gifts and, you know, kind of these different gifts, I want to give us some final instructions, kind of some warning label types of things. And there's three things that you need to know uh, because we've all learned that with great power comes great responsibility. Spider-Man taught us that. Um, So did Jesus. But the first thing I want you to write down is a drop of love is better than an ocean of gift. That's the first thing you need to know. Sandwiched in this section about gifts, you know, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14 is 1 Corinthians 13. Oh, that makes sense, doesn't it? It's known as the love chapter. And Paul talks about love, and love is, is, is one of the fruits of the Spirit. That's why I briefly touched on, on fruit, because gifts, gifts are given, these abilities are given, but fruit has to be, has to be grown. Um, and I say that because it's possible for someone to be gifted and talented, but at the same time, unloving. And so Paul wanted us to make sure that, that we understood that, that just because you're good at something, that just because maybe this is how God made you, maybe, maybe what was going on in the church, maybe what's going on in the church today is you, you're good at something, but you're not at all exercising this gift, this fruit of love, not the gift, but the fruit of love. And that's why some of the most gifted people that you know um, around ended so poorly. I think of Samson in the Old Testament. Talk about someone who was gifted, right? Beyond belief, powerful, like strong guy. And we always look at the end of his life where that final moment in redemption where he prays to God, God strengthen me just one more time in Jesus' name. And the, the temple you know, comes down on, you know, on all the, the Philistines. I knew it was there, it's there somewhere. The temple comes down. Like we look at that moment, but then I think of the rest of his life. So much unnecessary, so much sin that could have been avoided. I believe Samson was gifted beyond what he had grown. And he wasn't growing in the fruit, wasn't growing in love. And some of us in this room, maybe you're gifted way beyond what you're actually growing. And so Paul makes it clear He says, if I could speak all these languages of earth, if I could speak the language of of angels, but I didn't love others, all I'd be doing is making noise, just making racket. He said, I'd be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of of prophecy and I could understand all God's secret plans and I possessed all knowledge, if I had this, this great faith, such faith that can move mountains, he said, but I didn't love then I'm, I'm nothing. And if I've given everything I have to the poor, even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But again, if I don't love others, I've gained nothing. That's why gifts apart from love are completely useless. In fact, I think this fruit of love is, is, is way more necessary in our life. I believe that God wants us to focus on, on our fruit, on our, on our character. And sometimes just because we can do something doesn't mean we are ready to do it like Samson. Because your talents can take you places that your character cannot sustain you. Your gifts can take you places, but only your fruit of love 
and, and, and faith and peace and joy, you know, and all that stuff can keep you there. And an ounce of love, a drop of love is way better than an ocean of gifting. The second thing you need to know as a warning is the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. This is true in salvation. We often say the Holy Spirit is, you know, kind of that, that doorbell to your heart. And he, he's ringing, wants to come in. The Bible tells us, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And he's knocking on your heart, but he doesn't force his way in. You have to invite him in. He comes, you know, he doesn't, you know, just kind of force himself upon you. He doesn't save us against our will. And so it is with the Holy Spirit and, and this gifting and giving us the power that God wants us to have. He's a gentleman. And the implications of that are, are a couple. One is that he will never interrupt himself. He's not gonna do that. So for example, in our worship experiences, in our time together, we would not allow someone during the preaching of God's word, which the Bible tells us is, is a gift given to us by the Spirit. In fact, there are so many gifts going on. Right now we have gifted people in the back. Sound engineers, you know, people making sure you can hear this clearly. Lighting people, people doing media. You know, we're communicating God's word. We're doing this through the power of the Holy Spirit. So for someone to stand up on their seat and say, I've got a word, or I got, some, I got something to say in tongues, like, like, no, we wouldn't allow that. Do we believe in the gifts of knowledge? Yes. Do we believe in tongues? Do I? Yes, I do. But God teaches us that everything should be done decently and in order. And that God is not the author of confusion. And so we have this command, I believe, from God and a responsibility as the leaders of this church to carefully, prayerfully, in advance, work unto him this plan. So we come together, we're not just winging it, but we've worked this out prayerfully. And absolutely, we give God the, the right to veto anything we're doing. I believe God you know, can move in a moment, but I also believe that he can move months ago when we're putting this together. When we're asking God you know, to lay something on our hearts for this church, and that's what he's doing. And so we would not allow someone to derail what I believe God has purposed and planned in the moment. In fact, I think the enemy would want to do that. The enemy would want to get us off, off track. The Holy Spirit, though, is a gentleman. He will never interrupt himself. And I personally feel the call of God to protect the evangelism that he wants to happen in this house. And again, that's why we just wouldn't let tongues run rampant in this house. I don't know if you've ever been to a church where um, you know, people are, it's a free-for-all. People are buying Hondas when they should have bought Hondas all over the place. And it's like at, right at 1027, you know, it's time and, and something happens and, and everyone bypasses their brain and God grabs a hold of their tongues and, and everybody's just speaking in tongues at the same time. Now let me tell you again, I believe in the gift of tongues. I really do. But in the proper place, it can be a powerful prayer language that edifies you, that, that builds you up as you're speaking to God. And that's why Paul said in, in, in chapter 14, verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. So talking to this church that, you know, they're speaking in tongues, they're, it, things are, they're, they're getting wild, maybe out of hand. He says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. I, I love that Paul was never scared to lay down the whole thing. You know, if, if anything you can do, I can do better. And that's kind of what he's saying here. Like, I thank God that I can do this. But then he said this in verse 19, in a church meeting, and I'd rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Because tongues helps your heart, 
It builds you up. And then he says, even so, if unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your church meeting, have you ever been there? I've been in places like that, and they hear everyone speaking in an unknown language. They will think you are loco in la cabeza. That's what he's saying. You freak people out. Not only that, it's selfish. It's actually a selfish thing to do to build yourself up when the spirit of the meeting, the spirit of the gathering is unity in the first place. It's a selfish thing to do. And he says, you know, if you walked into that, it would seem crazy. And so I have a, I protect this fiercely, by the way, in this house, probably more so than many churches that believe what we do about the giftings. Again, I believe in it. I believe in it. But I protect it, not, not just because I'm your pastor, but also because I feel the gift of evangelism. I feel called to, as a church to reach as many people as we can who are far from God, to see them reach their full potential in Christ. I feel called to, to follow through and make good on the Great Commission, which is a mission to go fishing, by the way. And so that's what we're doing. And I want this to be a place where you can feel comfortable inviting your mom Inviting your brother, inviting your coworker who's far from God and, and to where the one Sunday you invite them and they come, they're not gonna see a bunch of weirdness going on. They'll be like, well, where did that flag come from? Why is that person running around? Why are they clucking like a chicken? You know, why, why is this going on, right? Where you're like, I don't know, this has never happened before, you know? I wanna create an environment where you can feel comfortable to bring them here. And we firmly hold on to what God has called us to do and be, and that is to preach about Jesus rationally, passionately, and logically. Tell people about Jesus who came to rescue and save them. Man, I'm grateful that he would use this time, this gathering as a vehicle for us to point people to him and for him to draw people to himself. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's a gentleman. He'll never interrupt himself and he will never contradict himself. So anytime someone stands up and says, hey, I got a word for you, but it's contrary to what God has already written in his word, it's not from the Lord. It's not from the Lord. And the last thing I want you to write down and then put your notebooks away is it's dynamic and not static. And I'll have the band come out. It's dynamic. It's not static. And I'm talking about the, the, the giftings. I think the gifts are are more dynamic than we give them credit for. I think although that you, you may have a specific gift, maybe you've been given the gift of teaching, maybe you've been the, given the gift of, of leadership, I, think that's, I don't think you'll ever lose that. I think you can get better in that gift. Um, but I also think that sometimes gifts are, are less like, like this, like a toothbrush, right, that we use every single day, like once, twice, three times a day maybe. Uh, we always use all the time. And I understand the metaphor breaks down at some point, right? Because even you gotta replace this, you know, every two, three years, at least that's what I do. You're like, that's gross. That's all right. You know, every couple months, whatever it is. But I think sometimes when we talk about gifts, it's, it's less like, like this, like we have to use it every single day and more like, like this. This is a single use toothbrush, you use it one time and you throw it out. You use it one time and you get rid of it. You don't be holding on to this. You don't use it again and again. That's nasty, all right? Don't do that. 
And I think the problem for many of us is we, we, we read stuff, you know, in God's word about the gifts and all this stuff. And we're like, man, if that's available to me, then why don't I have it? Have you ever said that? I have. If that's available to me, then, then why don't I experience that? And here's what I want to say. Maybe you do. Maybe you do have that gift, but maybe it's not like this. Like you use it all the time. Like you just brush, brush, brush. It's kind of like a magic wand. Every, you have the gift of healing. So every person that you pray for, you know, is healed in Jesus' name. Maybe it's less like this and more like this. And maybe you have that gift of healing. And then at one point, you're gonna pray for one person. And he's gonna give you that gift and they're gonna be healed in Jesus' name but then maybe you don't have it again after that. I think it's less like a toothbrush and more like a single-use gifting sometimes. And as we read through all this and we look at Acts and we think there's this huge disconnect, all the stuff that we see, the miracles happen, and all that kind of stuff. Can I tell you something? That all the miracles in Acts, roughly between 28 and 30 of them, depending on how you categorize and count them, let's just say 30, 30 miracles and acts, you know what? That happened over a 30-year period. So when we say things like, well, God, you know, it doesn't move that way anymore. He's not working that way anymore. We're talking about 30 miracles in 30 years, one miracle a year. So if God is even at this moment doing one miracle a year, well, he's still doing them at the same rate as he did back here. But here's what I believe. I think he's doing way more miracles than that. In fact, here's what I think. Every single time, we see miracles happen every single week. Like the moment you cross the line of faith and you surrender your life to following God, a miracle happens. That, that you receive the payment for your sin, that Jesus um, forgives you. And he died for you. And because of that, because you say yes to follow him, you are made new. Guess what? That's a miracle. Like new life is a miracle. New life in Christ is a miracle. You might pray for someone, you know, in a moment and, and they're, they're healed. It's a miracle. There's miracles happening all over the place. And I think sometimes we just, we just forget. It doesn't have to be this out there, this way far out kind of thing, healings, miracles, tongues, and God's word says, man, what, what father, if you ask for bread, he's gonna give you something bad. He won't do that. He's got good gifts for you. But it might be less like this and more like this. Why don't you stand to your feet and bow your heads? This is a lot to take in today. But right now, let's just pray to God. And just ask God to open up our hearts. Because I believe that there are miracles waiting to happen in this room. I believe that there are people far from God. And here's why I believe that, because this, this is why this church is created. To be a, a vehicle to point you to Jesus, to point you to new life, to point you to salvation. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, whoever would believe would not perish but have eternal life. That's, that's a miracle. And some of you have been going about life your own way and it's just not working out. Well, God wants to empower you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to gift you. He's got good things planned for you and we can receive all that he has for us in Jesus' name.
And today might be the day where he's drawn you to this place. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict us of sin. It's the Holy Spirit's job to, to draw us to him. So that's what he's doing. That's probably the reason why some of you are here. I want to give you a moment to pray and receive Jesus. The way we do that is just through confessing that he's Lord, believing in our heart that God sent him to die for us and that he raised him from the dead. And in a moment when we put our trust and faith in him, we too can be raised to a new life with Jesus Christ, that all of our sins and shame and guilt and the chains that we carry in an instant can be gone and we're set free. That's a miracle. Some of you desperately need that miracle in your life. So I'll have you pray this. This is a prayer that someone led me in a long time ago. You can just whisper it to God. You can pray it out loud. Jesus, today, I need a miracle. I need a new life. I need a fresh start. I can't say thank you enough for dying for me, for saving me from my sin. And so at this moment right now, I turn from my sin and I turn towards you and I'm gonna do my best to live for you but I know I can't do it without your Holy Spirit living inside of me empowering me strengthening me so Jesus Spirit fill me lead me guide me in your name amen with every head bowed every eyes closed if you prayed that prayer with me would you just as a bold sign just raise your hand wherever you are in this room just just let him know I surrender I surrender it all I'm done Spirit, fill me. Maybe you're just reaching up. God, fill me. Give me this new life in Christ that you've promised. Make me new in Jesus' name. You can put your hands down. Amen. We are always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevatechurch.com.